Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have found uh, we we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen your faith is futile you are still in your sins then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. Boy, this is really a, it's a powerful passage right here. And Paul's making this, this almost reverse psychology, but a negative, negative look at this. But go back now to, I want to go back to verse three. Look at, just go up above that and read verse, we want to look at verse three and four as Paul lays out. The gospel. And you know, people share, sometimes people think, they say the Bible is the gospel. Well, the Bible contains the gospel. The whole story is his story, right? It's his history. It's everything. It's all about him. This book's not about me. This book's about him. But he reveals in here my need. He reveals my, my need for a savior. He reveals himself. God reveals himself to us and my need for a savior. He reveals that, that way that, that God has provided everything through his son Jesus for us to be born again. This is his story. It's all about him. But understand, the gospel is very, very simple, what the gospel is. And the gospel means good news, right? We understand that, the good news. So Paul provides that for us here in chapter four, uh, chapter uh, 15, but verses 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered you to, to you as of first importance that, uh, what, I had, uh, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that's the first part of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now we could, we could break that down. We could go to according to the Scriptures. This wasn't just something Paul is stating. There was, it was predicted long before that Jesus would die. That there would be a Messiah. There would be a Savior who would die for our sins. And He would rise again. And according to the scriptures. It was all there. They could, they could see that. But that, folks, is the gospel. If someone asks you what is the gospel, it's very simple. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not you being a good person. It is not, you know, my life was changed. When, when we talk about testifying and, and sharing the gospel with someone, it's not just testifying of how Jesus has made my life better. Great! Jesus always makes our life better. How has he made your life better? What is it that, what is it that made your life better? Well, it's the gospel. And it's good news because the bad news is Jesus died. He died for our sins. The bad news is our sin. Okay? Now I can go into that. Next Sunday, two Sundays from now, we're going to go into that. We're going to go deeper into that right there. But the bad news is I'm lost in my sins. The good news is Jesus died for my sins. And he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. And that's so important. So the foundation of our Christian faith is that Christ died for our sins and God raised him on the third day. This is a very clear statement. But there are some who disputed that believers would ever be raised from the dead. They, there were some that would say, well, Jesus may have risen from the dead. He, he was God. He rose from the dead. But believers wouldn't be raised from the dead. But Paul refutes that. Look at verse 12. 
He says, now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Listen, if Jesus raised from the dead, there's hope that we can be raised from the dead. There are some who scoffed at the resurrection altogether. When Paul preached at Mars Hill in Athens, in Acts chapter 17, he said, it says, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. They mocked, they ridiculed, they they scoffed at the idea of someone rising from the dead. But there were others who said, we will hear you again on this matter. The, the, The belief of that day was there was no resurrection. This was foreign thinking to them. And, but this is what Paul was preaching. Then there are those who, who knew of Jesus' resurrection, but they wanted to cover it up. You say, well, preacher, why would somebody that knew about that want to cover it up? Well, well, let's look at what happened. Matthew 28, verse 12 and 13 says, And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. Now, there's a lot that you can talk about in that, in that right there because uh, a, a garrison of soldiers that let, let a dead body escape or somebody steal the body, they would have all been killed if that were the case. But the, 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 they didn't want to portray that. They knew the Lord, that, that the Lord had risen from the dead. They wanted to cover it up. They wanted to, to, to st- and they stirred that line. It's still being told today. Well, somebody stole the body of Jesus and, and it, it, you know, he was still dead, but somebody stole the body. Why would people do that? Why, why cover up the truth? Well, Jesus came to proclaim the truth. John 8, 40 says this, But now you seek to kill me, a man who told you the truth, which I heard from God. Now, Jesus' enemies, they sought his death because they did not want their false view uh, of the, the world destroyed. They had a, they had a, their worldview was false. Their worldview was wrong. These, these, these enemies of Jesus, and most of them, they were political leaders that were his enemies. They were religious leaders that were his enemies. And they wanted to keep the lie going. They wanted this worldview of theirs to be continue to be propagated. And they didn't want the truth to come out of who Jesus was. So in Jesus' day, there were many who did not believe the resurrection of the dead. Now, you've heard of the Sadducees, right? Everybody's heard that name. Here's an easy way for you to kind of understand one of the things about the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, it included most of the priests, including the, the, the chief priest. Mark chapter 12, verse 18 says, Then some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. This will, this will distinguish the, the Sadducees. See, they, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Acts 23, verse 8 says, For the Sadducees say that there is no re- resurrection. And so Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see? You, Cliff's shaking his head like that's so corny, but you'll never forget that. You'll never forget that. The Sadducees, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So if there is no resurrection of the dead, why spend your time and efforts being religious? Amen? If, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what are we doing here? Right? So the Sadducees, they were the liberals of their day. They held power, and being religious was the means of that power. That's how they held power. It was, it was through, through their religion. And, and, and so um, it was their way of controlling people. Wow. Hmm. We see a lot of those kind of things today, don't we? It's the same today you know, as it was back then. Liberals will put forth any belief system that will increase their power and control the masses. Now, I'm not, just, I'm not here talking about political liberalism, yet I am. I'm talking about all liberalism. When you start talking about liberalism in, in religion, when pe- the liberals, 
They're going to they're going to do anything the lies to keep them in power and to keep people under control. But Jesus said in in John 832, he says, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Understand that verse says make you free. It's one thing to be set free, but you can be set free and somebody come get, get put you back in jail. When you are made free, folks, that's different. Christ makes us free. And when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. But here's the thing. In the world of Jesus' day, in the world of today, it has never been about truth. It has always been about power over people. That's the idea. It's power over people. The truth, including the truth about the resurrection, just gets in the middle of the liberals back then. It gets in their way, and it gets in the way of the liberals of today. They don't want the truth out there. They're doing anything they can to pound down the truth. You look at folks, if, 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 uh, I'm going to get political. <laughs> all the stuff going on in our country today, if you look at the roots of it, it's all about communism and socialism bringing in Marxist theology. All of this stuff. I've talked about critical race theory, all this stuff. It ain't about certain lives that matter more than others. It ain't about that. It's about, it's, about, it's about dividing you. If somebody's got a nickel more than you, boy, they're an oppressor. It, it, it's all about dividing the races and dividing the social classes and dividing nationalities and dividing where you work and where you live. It's all about division because it, then it breaks down the country. It breaks down, it breaks down cohesion. It breaks down, you, you come into anarchy. And the whole idea is to bring in Marxism. You got to tear it down. Look, what's the bill back? Oh boy, boy, I'm going way out there. I'm going way out there this morning. That is not in my notes, folks. But this whole, this whole thing of building back better is the idea you're going to tear down what we got. And, it's, and, and the reason I have no problem speaking this from the pulpit is because it ain't about politics, folks. This is about people's lives. It is about an ideology that would bring in atheism. And, and even now we're seeing the cancel culture. I mean, you can say anything you want to unless you say Jesus is Lord. If you've got a conviction that is about by your faith is a biblical conviction and you state that, you, you, are, you are, cancel culture is all over you. The, the young, some young man, uh, gosh, I read, I wish I'd have written, made myself a note, but he just made a comment about his belief of something and man, they're just, they're just tearing him apart. Either a high school kid or a college kid, basketball and he, and he made, a, they made a comment, and they're just wearing him out because of it. It's all about shutting you up. Because if you speak truth, you affect their power. And it's all about their power and control. Paul said in verse uh, 32, if you go on down to verse 32, he says, If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul's idea was, Look, if this is true, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, if he didn't rise from the dead, if there is no resurrection, what are we doing? What are we? Let's just go out and eat, drink, be merry, because we're going to die and that's it. Make the most of life now. Herein is the cold hard truth. According to the scriptures, everyone who has ever lived will be resurrected one day. This is confirmed in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. John chapter 5, verse 28, 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now understand, that's not a works theology he's talking about right there. Oh, well, if you do good, then you'll be raised to resurrection of life. No, no, no. You do good because you've been born again. That's the point. He, he didn't go into that, but that's what John is stating. The only way you can do good is if you've been born again. And you, if you've not been born again, your works are evil. Everything that you're doing is evil and you'll be raised to the resurrection of condemnation. So the fact of Scripture is that all will be resurrected one day. All. Everyone is going to be resurrected one day. And it'll either be to life or it'll be to judgment. And what you do in this life with Jesus Christ will determine what happens in your resurrection. Paul starts and builds his case using a negative argument about the centrality of Jesus' resurrection in the gospel. Look at verse 13. He says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So here's these if-then statements that he's making. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. If there is no resurrection, he can't say it any clearer, but you gotta, you say it a few times to get it through your head what he's saying. If there is no resurrection, they were saying there's no resurrection. Well, if there's no resurrection, there's no resurrection for him. If there's no resurrection, Christ is not risen. Now, the key word in these verses, if you read through there, the key word in all this is this, the word if. little word if. But if there is no resurrection of the dead. And in verses 12 through 19, there are seven ifs statements in there. There There's seven ifs in those eight verses. So Paul is saying, if you are right, and if there is no resurrection of the dead, then there is nothing but gloom and doom and despair. I'm sorry, I want to go into, I want to do yeehaw. I want, y'all know, gloom, despair, and I'm sorry, that's so terrible. You get some insight into my mind. It's, it's fun in there. We have a good time. We have a great time in there. Um, so there's, there's no hope. There's nothing for us. Why? Because Christ is not risen either if there is no resurrection from the dead. So now what? Verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Now that statement right there, if Christ is not risen, risen if Christ is not risen, it tears out the very heart of the gospel. It's okay if he died. But if he is not risen, he didn't die for our sin. We're still in our sin. I'm getting ahead of myself. But that tears out the heart of the gospel if Christ is not risen. According to the Freedom From Religion website, many Bible scholars and ministers, including one-third of the clergy in the Church of England, reject the idea that Jesus bodily came back to life. They need to resign today and go get a real honest job and quit being a hireling and a fake and deceiving people, if that's what they believe. So do 30%, listen, 30% of, of born again, born again American Christians. Now their statement, this is the Freedom of Religion website, they don't understand the born again when they say that. Because the fact is, if you don't believe in the resurrection, there is no salvation. If you don't, it's not enough just to, well, I wasn't sure about it. Listen, that... that it's the fact that if you do not believe in the resurrection, you do not have salvation. You can't be saved. Okay, And, and I'll, I'm going I'm to mention that again later. But it's interesting to look at some of the theories of non-believers. The Gnostics believe that Jesus rose spiritually but not bodily. 
Some explain this away uh, that, uh, about the resurrection is that the women, when they went out to the grave that morning, the resurrection morning, they went to the wrong tomb. That's what they say. Then, then some explain about the witnesses. You realize 500 witnesses, if you read there in, in, in verse 6, it talks about all the witnesses. If you go up and read that, all of those who witnessed Christ alive. And there were 500, there were over 500 witnesses who saw him alive, who, who saw him most Many of them interacted with him. Some ate with him. They did all these things. And yet they would say there was a mass hallucination. That all 500 of them hallucinated Jesus being alive. Yeah, Jeff, it's right, isn't it? Foolishness. Read your face. It's like, man, that's just stupid. But that's what they they push forth. Folks will work harder to believe lies than they will to believe the truth. I was watching something the other day, another documentary about uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And there are folks who are breaking down his paintings and his drawings. And they're, and they're quoting him. And like, you know, he's talking about, you know, this annihilation of the earth. And I'm like, um, yeah, why don't you go read the, the actual authority? Why are you looking at Leonardo da Vinci and reading what he had to write as though he were God and had something to say? How about reading what God said and what he said about the whole thing? Folks would rather believe anything than the truth. There are conspiracy theories that somebody stole the body. That was the one that the the Romans uh, pushed forth. Others say that Jesus' body was only temporarily placed in in the the, the rich man's tomb only to be moved later to a common grave reserved for criminals. So they said the body was moved. They just put it there for a time and then they moved it. And when they found the grave empty, it's because they moved it to a criminal's grave. Others say that Jesus did not die on the cross, but that someone like like another disciple like Thomas died in Jesus' place so, so that Jesus later appeared. It looked miraculous. How would you how would you hide that? Well, where's Thomas? Anybody seen Thomas? I believe Thomas was in the room when the Lord appeared to him. Um, that was uh, that's strange. And then there's one you may have heard of this, the swoon theory. Anybody heard of the swoon theory? So the swoon theory is this: is that Jesus passed out on the cross, and and then he was revived uh, later. He was revived in the cool of the tomb. Well, I mean. Jeff, go ahead and shake your head again. That one doesn't make any sense either. It just doesn't hold any water. Because, I mean, these were professional. The Romans were professional executioners. Can, can you imagine a Roman soldier and they're executing somebody and oh, he fainted, but we didn't, we didn't know he fainted. We thought he was dead. It's just foolish. Makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. They were absolute. I mean, it's just a ludicrous and laughable statement. That, that, that could have happened. There's no way. But yeah, Jesus revived in the tomb with a stone in front of it, and he just by himself rolled the stone away. It's, it's, but those are the things. People will work hard to come up with a lie and believe the lie instead of simply believing the truth. Amen? All right, so let's look at Paul's argument. I think I've got seven, I've got seven points here I want to look at real quick, and we're going to work through these verses real quick. But if, if Christ... So here's his argument. If Christ has not been raised, then. If he hasn't been raised, then. First statement, there's no resurrection at all. If Christ hasn't been raised, there's no resurrection at all. Verse 13 and 16. Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Uh, Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. There's no resurrection at all. 
If, there, if, there is, if Christ is not risen, if he didn't rise from the dead, there's no resurrection of all. And if Christ is not risen, folks, we have no hope. None. Zero, zilch. There is no hope without the resurrection. If, if Christ has not been raised, then number two, our preaching is empty. Verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then your preaching is empty. And that word empty means this. Some translations may say it's vain. Your preaching is vain. And it doesn't mean, oh boy, I just, my, my preaching is so good. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not about that type of vain. It means empty. It mean, empty means vain. Vain means empty. There's nothing in it. It's futile. It's with no purpose. Your preaching is empty. It is with no purpose. It is a colossal waste of time. Because if I'm up here preaching, and all of us preach, if you share your faith, you're preaching. You're, 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 you're gossiping about Jesus. That's what it is to preach. You're gossiping about Jesus. You're telling about Him. You're telling about what He's done. And folks, if He hasn't risen from the dead, we're just speaking a bunch of empty lies. Make no difference. We're wasting our time. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting your time. And um, because if, if, if that's the case, we're proclaiming something that is not true. Number three, if Christ is not raised, has not been raised, then your faith is empty. The last part of verse 14. But verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. It is also vain. It is futile. It is with no purpose. It is a colossal waste of time if Christ has not been raised from the dead. Our believing is vain. It's worthless. It's, there's nothing there. Our faith is empty if he has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, the number four, the apostles were false witnesses. Verse 15. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. The apostles were at best, listen, they were at best false witnesses. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they were at best false witnesses. They were at worst devilish liars satanically controlled devilish liars intentionally bent on leading people straight to hell. Believe a lie. Believe something that will take you to hell. We know that's not the case. You know what a false witness is, right? So a false witness, that's somebody who gets in a courtroom and they knowingly, willingly, deliberately perjure themselves and become a liar. A liar. Now, I want you to understand what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying that we have testified that Jesus Christ is alive. We have seen him. Many of the disciples talked with him. They ate with him. They fellowshiped with him. They touched him. They handled him. And all of that was after the resurrection. They saw the wounds in his hand. They saw the wound on the side. They saw the marks on his back. They saw the marks on his head. They saw him. They talked to him. They ate with him. They fellowshiped. Well, pastor, uh, you, you know, how do you know they didn't just make that up? How do you know that they didn't just talk up a good story about Jesus and, 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 and you know, just to save face? They'd been with him and they're, now they're just, man, they're just, they're just going along with it. And they, they want to they portray a lie or whatever. I'll tell you how I know that. Because most of these disciples paid with their very lives for the testimony and for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They died. They suffered, they bled, they died because they believed in Jesus Christ. Now listen, hypocrites and martyrs aren't made of the same stuff. 
They're not made of the same thing. There's a big difference there. A man may live for a lie, but very, very few will die for a lie. But these people testified and they said, he's alive. We know he's alive. And they sealed their testimony, many of them, with their very lives. That gives me great, great confidence in their testimony. Number five, if Christ has not risen, then you are still in your sins. Verse 17, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. What Paul said is critical. If Christ is risen, then resurrection is possible and we have hope. If Christ is not risen, then God has rejected Jesus' payment for our sins. Understand this. The rejection, uh, I'm sorry, the resurrection of Jesus was God's validation that Jesus' sin payment was accepted. Romans 4.25 says this. He who, he, uh, he was, uh, he who was delivered uh, over because of our transgress- transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Now, it doesn't say uh, might have been raised or raised before potentially our justification. It says he was handed over, he was delivered over because of our transgressions, because of our sin. He was handed over. It, this is God handing him over. It was God's work in Christ to pay for our sin, to cover our sin, to, to pay that penalty. It was, he was handed over because of our transgressions and was raised. He was raised because of our justification. He was raised up. So if, if he was not raised up, there would have been no justification. It had not been accepted. It had not been completed. But he was raised up. For our justification. Folks, it was done. It was done. His offering of himself for our sin was accepted by the Father. And God's just wrath was satisfied through what Jesus did. He died. And the Lord God accepted that. The wrath, the the just wrath was satisfied. And he was raised because of our justification. How do I know he is the son of God? How do I know that he can save me? How do I know the Bible is true? I'll tell you how I know. God raised him from the dead. And that was God's stamp of approval on all that he said and that he did and that he taught. When God raised him from the dead, it proved, he proved to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. He proved who he was. That he was indeed the Son of God. Folks, we don't serve a dead Savior. Amen? Amen. We don't serve a dead Savior. A dead Savior can save nobody. The fact that he died for you is not important unless he also rose from the dead. No resurrection, no Savior. No Savior, no forgiveness. No forgiveness, no justification. No justification, no cleansing. No cleansing, then the penalty of our sin is still upon us. If the penalty of sin is still upon us, then we are destined to... For death and for hell. But he did rise. There's a song. I put some words in here for a song. And y'all probably know this. If you know it, you can sing it. You can sing it with, I'm sorry to put you through this again, but sometimes you just have to do it. Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified Freely forever, 
One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Boy, that was way off. Aaron's back there cringing. He's like, man, that was way off pitch. That was bad. I needed a note. Ding, I needed a note. Uh, but that's the deal. That's the hope we have was in his resurrection. He did rise from the dead. But if he didn't, then those who died, verse number six, those who died in Christ have perished. Look at verse 18. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now, what does that mean? They've fallen asleep in Christ. That, that's, that's the word that, that, that Paul used. That's the description. The falling asleep, those who slept in that day, they were talking about death. They've fallen asleep in Christ. They have died in Christ. He says, if, they, if Christ hasn't risen, then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ, means all those who profess to be Christian, all those who followed Christ in this life, when they died, they have perished. That's, that's what it, it means. And so the word perish there. It, it doesn't mean annihilation or that they cease to be or cease to exist. It means they are condemned. They are ruined. They are eternally lost without hope if Christ did not rise from the dead. And the sting of death still remains. Number seven, if Christ didn't rise, then we are of all men most to be pitied. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men the most pitiable. All men, listen, all men, all women stand condemned. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl of every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, all stand condemned. All. But Christians are the most pitiable. Why? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's an argument that, that there are some that would say that, that even if Christianity was false, that, you know, you're better off to being a Christian, living as a Christian. I used to say that. I used to say that. I used to think that, you know, even, even if it's, you know, it's just it's a good life. You live, but listen, if you say that, then you're someone who you've never suffered any persecution. You know, Paul would argue against that. He would disagree with that mentality right there. And uh, because he, anyone who, who would say that, you've not been persecuted for your faith. In, in America, very few of us have been persecuted for our faith. Understand, someone laughing at us is not persecution. Okay? That, someone, someone that mocks us, that, that's not really persecution. First century Christians were losing their families, losing their jobs, losing their homes, their wealth, and, and even their very lives for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many around the world today are suffering the same fate. Same things are happening to them because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then, then they and us are the most pitiful of all people because we're suffering and, and we're willing to suffer for something that's a lie. But he is alive. And he is alive or Christianity is a lie. He's alive. Pastor Aaron, I'm going to have you and Jim. You, you can go ahead and make your way up. We get to verse 20 here. And we've looked at the ifs, all these if-then statements that Paul's made. And he comes to verse 20. And we see the but now. But now. And here's the good news, folks. Verse 20. But now. But now. Paul's saying, I'm getting your attention here. Listen, folks. But now Christ has risen from the dead. He makes a very clear statement there. He has risen from the dead. You say there's no resurrection. And folks, if there's no resurrection, here's all the things. Here's all the negative of that. But now Christ has been risen from the dead. 
He has risen from the dead. The, 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 the resurrection is an absolute, essential, unwavering, fundamental doctrine of our faith. Amen? I mean, we're not going to compromise on that. We're not going to compromise on that. You cannot be a Christian. I said this once already, but you cannot be a Christian. You cannot be saved if you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So these so-called, these so-called in parentheses Christians who say that God, Jesus wasn't resurrected, he didn't come back to life from the body, but they claim to be a Christian, they are not a born-again Christian. They may classify them, they may identify as a Christian, okay? But they're not a Christian, okay? You cannot, if you do not believe in the resurrection, if the Lord didn't rise from the dead, we're lost. But if I don't believe that the Lord rose from the dead, I'm lost. It's an essential belief for us. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died for our sins. If you don't believe that God raised him also from the dead, your faith is vain. It's empty. It's hopeless. You see, this is the difference between Jesus Christ and all other founders of other religions. They lived, they died, they are dead. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again, he was alive again, and he's alive now, and he'll be alive for all eternity. Amen? He's alive. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Folks, that's not just a, a head knowledge. That's a heart knowledge. That's faith. That's believing that God raised him from the dead. That's an expression of faith. It takes faith to believe that God raised a man from the dead. He raised Christ from the dead. That's the faith that he rose from the dead. Paul has always kept the resurrection of Jesus Christ central to the message of salvation. Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He didn't leave that out. It's key to our salvation. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. This morning, very simple very simple altar call we'll have this morning. Two questions I have for you. Do you know this risen Jesus? Do you know the risen Jesus? Have you come to faith in the resurrected Christ? Because if your faith is in a dead Christ, you have a vain faith. You have an empty faith. You have a hopeless faith. Is your faith in the resurrected Christ? Do you believe in His resurrection? This morning, we'll, we'll, we'll just, we're going to have a very simple, I'm going to ask you to just remain seated this morning. I'm going to ask you if you would to just, you can be in an attitude of prayer. Um, if you want to look up, I think the words of the song are, are going to be, they're going to play a song for us. Uh, I think the words are going to be on the screen, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, if you want to look at those words, that's fine. But I really would like for us to be kind of in an attitude of prayer right now. And as we go to this time of invitation, and I share this many times, this, this here, these are not steps. You think, well, those are steps to get up on the stage. These are not steps. We use our altar to get up on the stage. This is an altar. It's a place for us to pray. And this morning, there may be something on your heart that, um, that you, you just want to come down here and talk to God about. You want to come cast it on Him. You know, the Scripture, casting your care upon Him for He cares for you. Now, you can certainly pray right there where you are. But I believe there's something too moving. When God is speaking to our heart, when He's moving our heart, if there's some burden on your heart, it may be for a lost loved one. It may be for a situation or family. It may be, there could be any number of things that are going on that had nothing to do with what I preached this morning. 
But I, but I encourage you to take this time. And, and, and as we're here in an attitude of prayer, if there's something you need to, to pray about, just step out. Tap the person next to you. Let them, have them let you out. Come down here and pray. But this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never been born again, listen, we're hopelessly lost in our sin. The only hope we have is through a personal relationship with the resurrected Jesus Christ. If you've never placed your faith in Him, you've never come to that place of understanding your lostness and calling on the name of the Lord for salvation, I invite you this morning, don't sit there. Don't sit there in your lostness. Don't lose this opportunity. I invite you to step out. I'd love to share with you real simply. The God, I'll share the God. I'll walk you right through that again. This morning, if God's leading you, if He's burdened you, He's convicted you, come to Him this morning. Come to Him for salvation. He, he, will, he doesn't turn away anyone that comes to Him for salvation. Whatever the name may, name may be, I encourage you to respond this morning. Father, bless now in this invitation. Lord, as, as the music plays, great message in our song this morning. Lord, I pray that we'll just be in an attitude of prayer. Father, if there's needs on our hearts, this altar is open. God, I pray that we would, we would just move, we'd respond, we'd be obedient to what it is that you're doing in our hearts this morning. And we'll praise you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.